guys, you're listening to Millennials at the Movies. I'm Amy. And I'm Novi, and it's finally December. That means we get to force each other to watch some of our favorite <laughs> holiday-themed movies, Yay. starting with one my family watches together every Thanksgiving night, Home Alone. According to Google Movies, when bratty eight-year-old Kevin McAllister acts out the night before a family trip to Paris, his mother makes him sleep in the attic. After the McAllisters mistakenly leave for the airport without Kevin, he awakens to an empty house and assumes his wish to have no family has come true. But his excitement sours when he realizes that two con men plan to rob the McAllister residence and that he alone must protect the family home. It's not streaming anywhere free, but you can rent or buy it on most streaming sites. And on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it a 65 and the audience an 80. Wow. <laughs> 65. That's... I would expect that to be higher. I thought this was one of those movies that just every single person in the world loved. <laughs> I think it gets higher in the nostalgia factor of it, but the critics rated yeah. it when it first came out. So you're thinking That's of it point. in the, it's a cult classic way and not in the, it came out and people were just like, oh, hey, Joe Pesci is talking like you're something <laughs> Sam and an eight-year-old is <laughs> doing all like the mean <laughs> Saw style traps. Oh, and we will talk in great detail, I'm sure, about all of that. But I want to start with the fact that, okay, so my family does not watch any holiday movies at all, basically, together. Um, and this is one that I might have seen at least parts of a few years ago. I mean, obviously, I watched it as a kid and everything. It was part of my life growing up. But since I was a kid, I can't remember the last time I actually fully watched the movie until now. Um, and. I knew in my mind that Macaulay Culkin was a good actor, like a good kid actor, but my goodness, he's good. Like he is, he plays this role so well. Every facial expression, every raise of the eyebrow, every, like every way that he pronounces every single word and emphasizes certain words and just like everything about how he plays his character is so good. I mean, it's, silly to say like oh he's an, he's like a 10 year old kid or whatever playing an eight year old kid or something like that I, I'm just assuming here um but, and he does it so well but like it's not easy to act for kids and most of the time in the 90s especially kid actors were not so good and he was very very good I have to say the same thing about this that I said about surf ninjas I can't tell if it was written to be cheesy or if his acting was just so cheesy, especially during the setup, because his awful family was a great setup, but he, his whole like peck, my suitcase, it comes <laughs> off as a really weird and stilted. And I have to wonder, because a lot of movies in the mid nineties did that, was that a deliberate acting choice that was made and directed? Or was he just not fully, like, invested into the character at that point where he just wasn't, like... Because <laughs> later on in the movie, he does a way better job, but during the times with his family, it's so weird. Yeah, I, I agree. It is weird. Um, there's a lot of it. Like, I Especially there's that part where he's really pissed off at Buzz because of the pizza thing. And he just, like, gives him the most evil look ever. And it's one of those moments where you're like wait who even are you supposed to be right now it felt kind of cartoonish almost you know mm -hmm. um and so I agree there there are moments like that but I do at least in my mind I do think it was a 
it was on purpose because I feel like the 90s were just that way. They just had silly, weird, random things within movies and you're just like, what? <laughs> Whoa. It, I don't think it was weird then. I think it's just now looking back at it. We're like, why? Yeah. Like that, like the hands on the face and the scream, like him talking to the camera multiple times, you know, things like that. I think those were all intentional choices. And I think the acting itself also was, I hope anyway, I'm going to pretend it is. It makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, whether it was or not, I think it being that way is part of what makes the movie such a cult classic, that it's mm -hmm. kind of weird like that. Yeah. Well, a lot of things are weird like that, including I want to talk immediately about the adults in this movie. Mm -hmm. They are the worst. Why are adults so bad at life in this movie? Like, Even most of the good adults are awful adults. Yeah. And when I say good, I don't mean good. I mean the ones we're supposed to root for. Yeah. I'm, I, I feel bad for the parents eventually, I think. But I don't actually feel bad for them. I think I feel more bad for Kevin. And then because he's alone and all this shit is happening, like, I feel bad sort of for the parents as well. But... They're like, I get that the head count that happens at the beginning of the movie was like an accidental, like they thought it was Kevin type thing. But if my eight year old child is not sitting next to me or behind me in the car that we are in, when we're going to be taking off to go to freaking Paris, you better believe I'm getting out of the car and dragging him into it with me. No, you don't get to sit in the other car with other people. You sit with mommy. <laughs> like, that's just how it goes. He's eight. <laughs> there were so many other kids there, and they were so behind, though, that they weren't thinking of it. That is Yeah, not and I'm not a mom. I... But... <laughs> yeah, and I don't blame them for that part. Mm. I blame them for many other things. But... <laughs> I want to talk about the beginning setup before we get mm -hmm. to Paris. Okay. The pizza guy was perfect casting. <laughs> he wasn't even a really important so part of the movie, but for him to be like the weird, snarling, pimply-faced little doof was incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the pizza place is still guaranteed 20-minute delivery anywhere. <laughs> no, nowhere. Uh, I won't I won't go into the long explanation of my experience with pizza delivery um, and how we waited. I think I told you about it. We waited like two hours to get the pizza and then they gave us the wrong pizza and then we had to wait even longer for them to bring us the right one. So well, no, 20 minutes is unrealistic. Maybe you should look up little Nero's. They maybe. might run over some of your lawn decor. But... <laughs> but my pizza will still be there in 20 minutes, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but he was he was well cast, and I enjoy, and I will talk about it later. But when he that he comes back, I like seeing that it was the same kid. Oh, so did I. Um, Uncle Frank versus Peter. Mm. Uncle Frank was supposed to be the bad guy, and he was, but I also think he was kind of wonderfully awful. Uh -huh. Like the immaturity of his abusiveness kind of made it more family friendly abuse. <laughs> Uh-huh. And on one hand, like, I blame him for his own shitty behavior. It's no one else's fault if you are shitty. Yeah. But if 
I had a brother or a brother-in-law and that person called my son a little jerk, oh, that yeah. person would be invited to fuck off out of my home. Uh, yeah. Like, he's just the worst in every way, though. Like, he goes, he grabs the pizzas, and they ask him for the money, and he doesn't budge to even, like, offer to pay for part. Like, you're there. Your kids are also there. They're also going to be eating the pizza. It doesn't matter whose house this is. All of you are eating the pizza. At least say, hey, let's split it, you know? Well, he said he only had traveler's checks. Of course. Of but course since they're all he... going to Paris, just give him some traveler's checks. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> but at that point, though, if the parents didn't shut it down, they are fucking complicit in this. Yeah. Well, and... everybody is standing there talking shit about Kevin and being just assholes to Kevin. And they just immediately... I, again, I, I, I'm not a parent, but if my two boys are fighting, I don't care which one of them started it. They're both going to have to get some sort of punishment if they're both reacting. You know what I mean? Like, or my two kids, I don't know why I said boys, probably because they're boys, but like, I didn't see what happened. I'm not just going to be like, well, you said it's his fault and he said it's your fault. So what am I going to do? Not blame either of you and not punish either of you. You know what I mean? But I feel like Buzz gets off with nothing. When he's at least five years older than eight-year-old Kevin and should know a little better, at least. You know what I mean? True, but no one saw what happened and Kevin just punched him. And you're not supposed to escalate things to physical violence, although I do... I don't blame Kevin for doing it and I probably would like to think that I would have done the same thing. Because they're yeah. awful to him, and if you're not being protected by your adults, then you have to do it, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just... Like, I just didn't feel like they cared about their own child. There's there's that point where she, he comes into the room at, um, when um, uh, the mom, uh, Kate, is, like, packing, and she's also on the phone while she's packing, and she's just completely, like losing her mind it feels like she's just really overwhelmed which why is this entire family packing in the last minute are we told did I miss that like did they just decide to go because I can't imagine you could have gotten tickets to go to France on Christmas like in the last minute or around Christmas time in the last minute so why the hell is every single person in this house just packing now <laughs> um but he comes in there and he like mouths off to her and she just kind of goes, oh, I swear this kid to the, whoever's on the phone. I'm like, no, what? Your kid just like talk back to you. Say something. That's the point. You say something, you know? Yeah. So she's just, they're just, they don't want to deal with it. They have too many kids and they don't want to have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say this about the father, Peter. Mm -hmm. I do not trust him. Mm. He okay. meets Harry, one of our thieves who's posing as a security guard. And mm -hmm. the first words out of his mouth are, am I under arrest or something? <laughs> Which is so suspicious and makes him sound uh -huh. super guilty. Uh-huh. And based on the house and how posh the family is, I'm going to guess embezzlement? Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, also, there's a police officer in your house. And he, like, even though that's his reaction, he still seems really calm about it. And then, the, like, he's asking or he's telling him that he's there just to check to make sure that they're protected and blah, 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 all this stuff. And then he just walks away. 
Like, the officer mm-hmm. is still in your house. How are you walking away from that? What the hell? Yeah. I, I didn't get that. And I think Peter is my least favorite character generally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate Kate, too, but I have a little bit of empathy for her because when she realizes they actually forgot Kevin, she's horrified and regretful and she does everything she can to try and get back as fast as she can. Yeah. But when they're sitting on that plane, Peter is still blame shifting and going, we didn't forget. We just miscounted. And it didn't come off like he was trying to comfort her. It was like he was trying to make it not sound like it was their fault. And it's just like, even if you did just miscount, which I fully agree with, um, don't be an asshole. Like, that's still your kid. That's not helping to try and be like, oh, but it's not our fault. It's past the whose fault is it phase. Yeah, it's it's a terrifying moment. And he didn't look at all worried it was more like are we going to be in trouble for it we can't be in trouble for it it's not our fault that's what it came across to me as so especially after that when uncle frank is like oh if it helps you or if it makes you feel any better i forgot my reading glasses that doesn't even seem that bad comparatively to the way peter reacts to his own son well especially because frank is the cartoon villain of this movie yeah yeah and peter is supposed to be somebody that we genuinely feel compassion for Mm -hmm. and it's hard to feel compassion for somebody who cares that little about the fact that their son who can't pack his own suitcase is now alone in a mansion yeah with no food that is easy to eat because you know they had to empty the fridge out because they were going to paris yep Yep, but no, it's fine. It wasn't our fault. It's just we, it was an oversight. That's all that matters. (laughs) And we will talk more about how um, awful I think Peter is. He's not my least favorite character. It was hard for me to choose a least favorite character because I disliked all of the adults in this movie. I mean, I disliked some of the kids as well, but at least they were kids. So you can just kind of go, well, they're kids, you know? Yeah. Um, but I dislike the, I mean, like the good guy adults. I, oddly enough, I didn't dislike the bad guy adults. <laughs> but we'll talk more about that soon as well. But the, like, the good adults, I disliked. So it was hard for me to choose which one of them was my least favorite. But I ended up landing on Uncle Frank because I know that he was supposed to be the cartoon villain. But, like, I feel like I have an uncle similar to that where he's cheap and he like he just wants to constantly make a joke out of everything nothing is his fault um and he's kind of an asshole you know what I mean so hopefully he's not listening to this no um but but he is you know what I mean and so like to like and as a kid I didn't dislike him but now as an adult I'm like oh my gosh you're a terrible person you know so because of that I'm like Uncle Frank is awful and that person is awful in reality, but watching in the movie, I kind of enjoyed the comedic break of him in mm-hmm. the sad parents scenes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So at least he had something fun he added to the movie. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the beginning, though, when um, uh, Harry is there as a cop, and he's trying to get people's attention to basically find out if they're going to be leaving town and you know dressed as an officer talking to all these kids trying to get the attention of all the adults no one's paying any attention to him but finally he asks I think three different kids in a row 
um, if their parents are home and if they live here and they all say no. And then he goes, no, why should they? All kids, no parents. It's probably a fancy orphanage. And I enjoy that so much. And I think I continue to enjoy Harry and his dry humor and his stupid little lines like that throughout the entire film. But that was, I think, the line that stood out most to me, not as a nostalgic line, because there are a lot of those, but as a line that was just like, oh my gosh, of course, that's great. (laughs) Yeah, he was very funny and I enjoyed that they were able to let him be Pesci mm-hmm. without having to like tone it. Down. Like he couldn't go full Goodfellas and come out there with the fox <laughs> and all that, but yeah. he still got to do the characters that he likes to do. They didn't tone it down so much that he just was a completely different thing. Yeah. Yeah. So not that too. Yeah. <clears throat> I, uh, and I, I was just gonna say I enjoyed how he and Marv like played off of each other a lot too but they had great chemistry but we'll get there Mm -hmm. yeah I had so many lol moments because this movie is very old Mm -hmm. it's just like oh plug in alarm clocks that get turned off when the power (laughs) is knocked out yep also By the time they get out to the cars, Frank mentions that they can't get to the airport in time because their flight leaves in 45 minutes. Ah. Uh, Considering that the rich don't tend to live in the Smogville next to the airport, and it's an international flight, mm-hmm. now you have to arrive two hours early for an international flight, and... To say that you can drive to an airport with 45 minutes left to go. So all in the drive, the security check, getting to the gate <laughs> yep. in less than 45 minutes. LOL. Yeah. Oh, and I love that they get there. They run up to the lady and she's like, yeah, no, you need it just in time. And she just like takes their tickets. And as they're already running like toward uh, on the whatever the ramp thingy, um, She's trying to count heads so she can make sure she has enough tickets. No, no, no. That's not how that shit works. <laughs> There's not even... She doesn't check the names or anything. It's just Nothing. like, oh. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> it's fine. You're clearly a family with a bunch of kids. Nothing could go wrong here. It's it's fine. <laughs> yeah, also, but it, it's very 90s. Uh-huh. It is. Later on, when Harry and Marv are sitting in their thief van talking about all the houses they're going to rob. Mm-hmm. Harry mentions that he wants to rob the McAllister home because it's the big one and it has a lot of top flight goods like stereos and VCRs. (laughs) It's so cute, isn't it? (laughs) It's like a time capsule. Like I remember when VCRs were new and apparently this movie does too. Yeah, yep. Well, I also, by the way, enjoy um, that their their van, truck, whatever the car is that they're in, is called OK Plumbing. Yep, I'm going to go ahead and call OK Plumbing. They'll be just OK. They're not going to be great, but at least they're telling you they're straightforward. It's just going to be OK Plumbing. <laughs> that van was funny in multiple ways, though. It was OK Plumbing, and then when they almost run Kevin over... Mm-hmm. The thing is, is, it's a dodge. So it's just the word dodge coming in his face. <laughs> so it's like, uh, that van brought the puns. Yeah, yep. It really did. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna also say 
it is it shouldn't be surprising to anybody if you are following a child in a van and they start to run away from you you shouldn't be like something's weird about this i wonder why he's running away from because you're following him in a creepy fucking van that's why and you almost okay. ran him over <laughs> that but also mm. In the general store, when Kevin goes to buy a toothbrush, and I know we're jumping around, yeah, uh, he sees old man Marley, who mm. earlier in the movie, Buzz had told him a story that the man had murdered his family, <laughs> mummified their corpses in a garbage uh, can full of rock salt, and then just walked through the neighborhood spreading like corpse salt all over the uh, streets. Such a good story. Uh-huh. It's such a good, like... A suburban urban legend but yeah. it's also like this poor man's just trying to do something nice for the neighborhood they probably don't even pay him <laughs> no but oh. kevin sees him in the general store mm-hmm. and he's being his perky precocious obnoxious self that adults all hate <laughs> asking about if a toothbrush <laughs> is approved by the ada which <laughs> no that. child has ever cared about ever no <laughs> he is perfectly happy and perky the second this old man comes up slams his hand on the counter and stares unblinkingly at him mildly threateningly yeah kevin gasps looks dead ass terrified and starts to back away and then runs yeah i in that situation would assume that this adult had touched him Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. And they're <sighs> like, oh no, he's shoplifting a toothbrush. It's like, no, he's terrified at this menacing old guy that came up, stood close enough to be touching him, and then just stared at him even as he started to back away. He turned around to continue glaring at him. Yeah. That what? would make me super suspicious. And so all these people, all of these adults in this movie assume that it's like so natural. <laughs> That a kid would just never be scared of an adult in any situation. It's the 90s. You're not supposed to be afraid of adults. They're all nice and they'll take care of you, right? Totally. (laughs) Well, it's also, like, I'm going to guess it was maybe because we're seeing it from his point of view a little bit, Kevin's point of view a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe the the Marley, the old man, didn't actually slam his blood-covered hand down right in front of him like that i hope because what the fuck was that all about why would he do that like he just slams his hand down okay why you know like you're coming here and you're standing way too close to this child and then you're just slamming your hand down in front of him what did you expect him to do stand there be like oh hi sir (laughs) that is a good point it could be coming partly from his perspective of what he's afraid of like, for yeah. example, we know that the radiator isn't actually alive. That's true. Yeah. And I, I think my favorite part <laughs> about the radiator is mm-hmm. that he didn't resolve it by growing up and realizing that it isn't a possessed demon monster. Mm-hmm. But he still thinks it's a possessed demon monster, but he showed dominance over it. He tells it to shut up. Yeah, so he still <laughs> fully believes that it's alive. Yeah. It's just he's not afraid of the alive radiator anymore. Yeah. I, I In general, I really like that they let him still be an eight-year-old in a lot of those ways with his belief in Santa and the whole radiator thing and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
and like still fully believing that he made his family disappear, you know, um, even though he gets like he becomes more responsible, he starts to like buy food and make sure he's actually eating meals rather than ice cream sundaes the size of, I don't know, a gingerbread house. <laughs> um, uh, so he actually starts to like take care of himself because he realizes he has to. Um, but that he doesn't become suddenly this adult child. He's still a child. And I really like that they kept him that way. So do I. And when he first thought that he made his family disappear, Mm. he was smart enough to go out to the garage and check to see if their cars were still there. Mm -hmm. But not smart enough to think that maybe they didn't take the cars. Yeah. And it was a good level of he's smarter than you would anticipate, but he isn't like a a child adult yeah so he is not in a vulnerable yeah well there's also a scene where he is going through buzz's stuff which okay i'm gonna say a couple of things about that first of all he sees buzz's girlfriend's picture and you know his infamous line of buzz your girlfriend woof but mean that poor girl some girl had to be that girl in this movie and it's so sad like as a kid I thought nothing of it I just thought it was hilarious you know as an adult I'm like this poor girl like they were like hey you're gonna be the ugly girlfriend whose picture we're gonna stick in here cool okay she had to be that I want to just say how great it is because Buzz is a turd yeah like He's an absolute jerk. His first introduction was talking to his cousin about if there were, like, hairy-pitted nude French babes hanging around in Paris. Yep. And yet, in reality, he dates that girl. Yep. And it kind of... Maybe he's not as much of a shit as he seems. Maybe it is like the talking radiator or the scary old man. Maybe it's just like, you're my older brother and you suck and therefore you're ugly and you suck way more than I think you do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's possible because he is kind of just a typical teenage kid, Buzz is. And like, I feel like in that family we talked a little bit about Peter already and the kind of person he is and probably the kind of dad that he is mostly absent. I'm imagining. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Buzz grew up thinking that he has to act like a dick. That's just how you're supposed to be. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it's a little dramatized by Kevin, but I do think that like we can go into the psychology of these poor characters and really dig deep and try to figure it out. And I, I think I would end up feeling bad for Buzz in the end. I'll just be yeah. that. And I do <laughs> think yeah, it's, it's hard sweet. to believe that all of their family is as bad as we were led to believe in the pizza scene. Mm-hmm. Like every single one of them was that evil. Yeah. No, that's definitely like a child's perspective. You all hate me, so I hate you all. You're all the worst, you know? Mm. There's also the whole, you know, that poor little child getting smushed by um, the chair. (laughs) (laughs) That poor kid's face. Yeah. I did love his bitchy sister that looked like Kathleen from the old Degrassi, that les incompetents. (laughs) Yeah. She was so bitchy in such a great way. 
She was. I kind of wish we saw more of her, honestly, we, and we don't really get to, which obviously makes sense. We weren't supposed to, but it would have been fun to see more of her being bitchy. It would have. Um, when he's looking through Buzz's stuff, another thing he finds, by the way, and I think this is also good, like a good portrayal of him still being, Kevin still being an eight-year-old boy, he finds um, like a pornographic magazine of some sort. I could swear it said something about like news broadcasters or something. I didn't pay too close attention, but something like that. But Kevin opens it up, his eyes get widened, and then he close he like closes it, tosses tosses it aside and says, No clothes on anybody. Sickening. And I was like, first of all, I love you. Yes. <laughs> Second of all, that is such an eight year old boy, at least in the nineties, um, way to kind of react to something like that. I don't I don't even want to think about it, but I think eight-year-olds today do not react that way. But I think in the 90s, they were a little more innocent, I'll say. But things uh, have changed a lot so. since then. I want to hope so. I didn't, I, I mean, I was basically eight in the 90s, so it's hard to know. But kids grow up fast now. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say that. I'll say this much. I couldn't have been much older than 10 when I saw my first porno mag. Mm. Uh, it was my friend's mom had it oh. and we went through her shit and found oh. her porno mag oh, and no. it wasn't even like a nude magazine it was like an instructional <laughs> so there were multiple panels no. in a row instructing someone on how to give oral sex <laughs> white girl black guy huge dick holy shit (laughs) i'm only like maybe i'm just imagining it was huge because i was a baby (laughs) you poor child (laughs) i i don't recall exactly like how old i was with my first like pornography experience i know it was never magazines i'll say that um but I was probably pretty young too. But eight feels a little too young. But again, I don't know. I don't know what the hell eight-year-olds were doing in the 90s. I don't oh, think I want to know. I Neither of us were particularly turned on by it. It was just like, oh, that's a thing now that we've seen and <laughs> will never be the same. Yeah. Yeah. So see, his reaction of tossing it aside and going, ugh, none of them are even wearing any clothes is kind of like, that's what I mean, is like, he's not looking at it like, oh, damn, I want to keep looking at naked women. He's just looking at it like, why? What the hell? Like, he doesn't get it, which is good, because that's what eight-year-old reactions should be, you know? Maybe if it had been an instructional manual, he would have gotten it. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. Baby Macaulay Culkin doesn't deserve that. Leave him alone. (laughs) The setup of the spider was incredible. Oh, Ugh, 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 ugh. I can't. I can't. I looked away every time there was a the tarantula was on the screen. Um, I just couldn't deal with I it. But I think they mm-hmm. went back to it just enough times that you never forgot that it was there, but mm-hmm. you also never really expected it to be a factor. It just was like a thing that was crawling around. It's like, okay, well maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And then it paid off eventually, but we'll get there. We will. Because I want to talk about it again later on just to make you scream Just to make me squirm. Yeah, I know. Okay, so I don't remember having this bad a reaction as a kid. Maybe I did. I don't know. But I feel like as you get older, when you have like, and I, I can't say I'm scared of spiders. I'm very much disgusted and like clearly bothered by them. But I don't think it's a fear. Um. 
So as a kid, it was just like, it'll grow a spider, but not a big deal. As I got older, I feel like it, I got in my own head even more, but I can't even say the word. I can't type the word. I will not. I will not. I will not. But every time it was on screen, I was just like, nope, look away. Or like focus on a different part of the <laughs> of the screen so I can't see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was not fun. But anyway. <laughs> when Peter and Kate are in Paris and they realize their son's missing, they mm-hmm. start trying to call home and they get an officer on the phone mm-hmm. named Larry Balzac. <laughs> and that's a perfect name for him because all him and all of the other cops in this movie are big ones. Yeah. They are what the French call les incompetents. <laughs> yep. I think because they shot this movie out of order, the first scene they shot was him stealing the toothbrush and the cops getting called on him. Mm-hmm. I think their intention was that he would mistrust the cops. So when they came, he wouldn't open the door. Right. But he didn't know it was the cops when he didn't open the door. No. So that was completely unnecessary. All of it was super unnecessary. <laughs> Well, Especially because he calls the cops later on, so it's not like he doesn't trust the cops. No. He, he comes there, the co- a cop comes there, knocks on the door, like, slams on the door repeatedly. Okay, like, this kid is home alone. He doesn't, even if you don't know that there's people trying to get in the house and steal stuff and he's scared of them and whatever, if, even if you don't know all of that, I'd be proud that my kid didn't go open the door to a random stranger. You know what I mean? Because you're not even announcing yourself. You Like, at least maybe an eight-year-old kid might be like, oh, it's a cop, and actually go open the door. If you said, it's the police, is anybody home, blah, 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 your parents are having this check up on you, you know, something like that. He says nothing. He just slams on the door and goes, oh, tell them to count their kids again. I'm like, what kind of a, a cop reaction is that? What are you? Uh, he yeah. wants to go home for the for Christmas. <laughs> All of the cops are sucky. The parents are sucky. Every mm-hmm. adult in this movie is really awful at everything they do, mm-hmm. except possibly Marley. Every yeah. other one, including the bad guys. Yep. <laughs> I think the '90s were also weird about since you mentioned Marley. That um, in uh, what is the movie called? Now and then, there's also a creepy old man that the kids are terrified of because of some story that somebody spread about them. I can't remember what the story is or why they're scared of him, but they are also scared of this old man. I've never in my life been like looked at an old man and just been like, nope, scary. I'm so scared. I can't, I can't even be around him. Like I've never, as a kid, I didn't feel that way. You know what I mean? Granted, at least in this, Kevin is told this creepy story about what happened and he's eight. So he believes it, but like, the 90s really, really didn't like old men and they wanted them to be really creepy to kids. Very much so, I suppose. Yeah. And sometimes they would have them like live in a creepy house that you'd know there was something off about them. But for the most yeah. part, it was just like normal people in normal houses that didn't want kids near them. <laughs> Who does? <laughs> mm. uh, you know, when they're in... um in the airport and they go to the they run to the payphones and they're just going to call everybody they can blah 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 and Kate goes up and like interrupts this French woman's phone call and basically they all yell at her in English about how this is important get off the phone I need the phone and they yank the phone out of her hand 
That's yes. why people hate Americans, people. That's why. She clearly doesn't understand you. Don't just yank the fucking phone out of her hand. Like, I get it. Like, I'm on their side because this is important. and They need to try to get a hold of their son. However, that woman has no idea what you're saying and you're being assholes. No, I, I think a lot really of their a lot of their airport behavior is the shittiest. Mm-hmm. They are so very much awful to every service person that they come into contact with for the entire yeah. movie. Yep. Every airport staff member, uh, the people who drive the cars, uh, except the delivery guy, I suppose. But even <laughs> yeah. then, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Well, it takes a while for them to even pay him to start with. <laughs> so, the, okay, you said something about the car or the the people who are driving them, the drivers. Um I know again, we're kind of bouncing around here, but when Kate is offered a ride at the airport by Gus, who we will talk more about. But when she is, I I mean, granted I also had that realization moment, but why didn't she, instead of yelling at the airport employee, go, oh, I could rent a car and drive home from here. Why am I wasting my time standing in an airport yelling at someone who clearly can't do anything for me anyway? And why did the airport employee not say, hey, maybe you could drive there. There are rental cars. Why don't you go talk to them there at that desk and stop yelling in my face, you know? I could only guess why, because it seemed like a really reasonable thing to just <laughs> get a rental car. Maybe they didn't have any cars left. Maybe the airports didn't have a big rental car thing like they used to, because these people were renting a bus. That's true, they were. Though they if she was willing bus. to spend $500 and translate yeah. translators and her earrings, which she did not give to that woman, by the way, because she no, was still wearing them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe they just started to feel really bad for her and they didn't take any of her stuff. Or, Maybe. The, or the husband of that old lady was just like, no, really, we'll take everything else. You can have our tickets, but please keep your earrings. She has too many. Because she said, he said she has a bunch in a, in a shoebox or something, which is cute. It, the insult was that he didn't like that they were dangly, though. <laughs> yeah. And how is it that a rich woman is offering you her jewelry and and you're just like, nah, nah, I'm good now. (laughs) Yeah. The rumor is, though, that the guy standing behind Kate in line before Gus walked up was Elvis. Because he did, like, a Helvis head bob, bob, and he was around the age that Elvis would have been had he not died. And they're thinking, oh, Oh, Elvis didn't die, he was in this movie. Except it was actually just an uncredited extra whose family (laughs) confirmed after his death that it was him. (laughs) But you gotta love a conspiracy theory. Way to ruin it for all those believers, though. Just let them have it. Let them think that was true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't heard that, but that is interesting. People actually thought that. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, I, I just feel like they, I mean, like you said, it would have been too obvious and easy an answer to just rent a car or a bus or whatever. Um, Because then how would she have met Gus? And how would that whole polka thing have happened? Which I don't really know why the polka thing had to happen. Do you <laughs> want to know why the polka thing had to happen? So that John Candy could be in this movie? 
Because if I had to watch Kate blubber over how bad of a mom she is for one more minute without <laughs> polka and jokes, <laughs> I would have just... It was it was very stale. Her (laughs) running around and harassing airline workers and crying about how awful she was was getting real dour, and I was done with it. Yeah. So this helped. Yeah, that's a good point. Plus, I mean, I do love John Candy, so I was happy to see him there. (laughs) Mm. Oh, there's a thing I want to say about Buzz because I don't think I'm gonna have much more to say about him anyway. But um. When he's talking, I believe it's to his sister, the Le Contretant sister. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that one. <laughs> and he's counting all the reasons why he's not worried about Kevin being home alone. <laughs> I enjoy that his list goes A to D. That makes me so happy, and I cannot explain why. I just really enjoy it. It's like good counting, Buzz. Well done. <laughs> and. Yeah, wrong on every level yeah I wanted to believe that he did that on purpose that it was his little quirky thing you know um but I don't think it was but I think it was funny anyway yeah it was (laughs) um I want to get back to Harry and Marv because Mm -hmm. they try and break into the McAllister home multiple times before the you know big special scene that everyone knows this movie for Mm mm-hmm the first time they try to break in, they're creeping around outside with crowbars. Kevin mm-hmm. is hanging out downstairs and he hears them through a closed window because it's December whispering that they're about to break in yeah. and through the basement door, not yeah. just whispering, but clear enough to hear where they're going to break in at. <laughs> yeah. And he, you know, rushes turns on all the lights then goes to hide underneath the bed mm-hmm. and they just go oh well, well we just won't do it tonight <laughs> and it leads to one of my favorite scenes of them because while they're waiting to come back to kevin's home they go and rob the next door neighbor the murphys uh-huh Marv is stealing worthless Christmas decorations and <laughs> Harry is literally sitting on the floor playing with a remote control car. And yeah. in the first couple of scenes of them, I was like, I don't understand them as a team because <sighs> Harry seems really smart and Marv seems really stupid. Why would Harry put up with him? It's like, yeah. oh, because of this, because he wants to sit around and play with toys too. Even <laughs> yeah. though he gets annoyed that Marv wants to talk about stealing toys, the first thing he does is sit down on the floor and start stealing toys. Yep. <laughs> That's why they work, because legit, they have the same goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just one of them is more willing to admit it because he's a little stupider than the other one. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand them as effective burglars, but I understand them as friends. Yeah. Well, I also really enjoy Marv and his, like, oh, it's our signature to leave the water running in every house after we, like, we're done with it. Like, okay, okay, sure, okay, sure. I mean, you know, Zorro um, scratches, uh, cuts out a a Z on everything to leave his mark. Sure, why not? Run the water. Yeah, but (laughs) Zorro carves the Z because he wants everyone to know that it was him. Mm Mm-hmm. Marv is thinking about what their image is going to be like after they get caught. <laughs> well, like, he prepared. is excited to get caught. <laughs> yep. 
so that he, he can do his little like no but i've thought about this this is my manifesto the like he is the guy who wants to write a book about himself after he gets caught <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um i wouldn't be surprised if he wants to write it before he gets caught and then just be stupid enough to release it and have it say where he's going to be next or where they're going to be next. Oh, yeah. No aliases or anything. Just nope. <laughs> full names. <laughs> Addresses. Addresses, of course. Why not? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but they are they are perfect together. And I I couldn't choose a favorite between them. I love them both so much. They're so different, but they're also so similar, like you said. I actually think Marv was my favorite. And really? I didn't appreciate him as a kid because I think he was too dumb for me to find him fun. Mm-hmm. But I think his idiocy kind of played against Harry really well and gave him more to work off than a competent partner would have. Yeah. And I think it's because I didn't appreciate him and now I do that kind of makes it better for me than Harry, who I always just liked. Yeah. That's a good point. I liked I liked Marv as a kid too. I tended to like the like stupid villains or um, like good characters in in movies. I for some reason I always found them to be funnier and to also just be more enjoyable in every way. Whereas I enjoyed Harry too as a kid, but I feel like I enjoy Harry now as an adult more. So it's kind of the opposite for me. Like, I get his frustrations with Marv and his little, like, muttering under his breath or grumbling more, like, under his breath about all the things that are really frustrating and annoying, which sometimes are Marv and sometimes are, you know, Kevin. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I really enjoyed him in that way. I also enjoyed how, like, sensitive he was to the way this kid looked at him, like, what the hell? Why did he look at me like that? That's not cool. Why would he look at me like that? I'm like, dude, he's an eight-year-old kid leave it yeah (laughs) but no it was very important to him it was yes I also enjoy that they were afraid to go into the church they're like when they follow Kevin and Kevin runs towards the church and they're like oh where'd he go maybe he went into the church and they're like I'm not going in there (laughs) I'm like wow that's a very weird line to draw (laughs) yeah Oh, you never know. You know how they say, like, vampires, their skin melts off or whatever, or they get set on fire if they walk into a church or whatever. Or, like they and Twilight didn't say anything it. about that. Oh, and Twilight is gospel <laughs> when it comes to vampires. We all know this. But <laughs> maybe they're afraid something will happen to them if they step into the church because they're, you know, bad people. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, after that, though, mm-hmm. they come back to rob the McAllister house and Kevin is having a Christmas party with all of his fake friends and every light in the house on and I loved it and it's iconic but that had to have been a lot of work to set up if we're pretending this is real (laughs) to make sure that the shadows look even semi-realistic from the window yeah but he also has no idea when they're coming this isn't like the uh, (laughs) last time where they say we're coming back at exactly nine (laughs) o'clock yeah they just say they're coming back sometime that night so he has to be doing that dance basically (laughs) from sunset until he hears the car drive away (laughs) <laughs> i enjoy that image i hadn't thought about that but yeah that's that's a fun image in my head this poor kid is like oh my god when are they getting here and, but just having to keep it up 
Okay, also, so I'm clearly um, not white. So I have to ask a white person this question because this in this whole movie is about white people, obviously. I live to um, serve. Do you, did your family have a bunch of freaking mannequins in your house too? Because I feel like that kind of thing happens. When I say more than it should, I mean even once. Why would families just have mannequins in the house? I mean, okay, maybe one of their jobs has something to do with fashion or whatever, something, right? But yes. there are mannequins clearly not being used in the cellar, whatever it is. Um, so it's not something that they're using. Who just goes, you know, I'm just going to keep this mannequin just in case. It's is possible that, that they had a grandparent that was a tailor or something and just didn't Kept get rid of them mannequins. and threw them in the... Oh. No, I don't like mannequins. I don't like it. Why people get rid of your mannequins. Or don't, I guess, in case your kid has a Kevin experience. <laughs> Could come in handy someday. Well, <laughs> he in that is case, very all, creative. All they need are flat cutouts of Michael Jordan. <laughs> of course, you have to make sure that they never turn. Because I can imagine being outside going, wait, should we break in? There was a person. And then that uh, cardboard cutout going sideways and the person basically disappearing in the window and then just reappearing <laughs> in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, they were not smart burglars. We knew, we know that, and somehow so did Kevin. <laughs> well, they also had no idea what that was. Maybe it was haunted. Hmm, that would have made this story, I don't know, more enjoyable, okay. less enjoyable. Who knows? We're not talking about Home Alone Five right now. Yes, there's oh, a fifth one. No. But the description does include that the child in Home Alone Five thinks the house is haunted by ghosts. Oh. So. <laughs> It's so not exactly it out of the realm of possibility for this franchise. <laughs> oh. Yeah, um, I didn't know there was a Home Alone 5. I thought they stopped at 3. So, oh, no. I think I've four, seen 3. 4 is a continuation from Home Alone 2 with Kevin, except oh. with a different kid. Of course. Well, because he couldn't still be Macaulay Culkin. Who knows how old he was by then. <laughs> Uh, Marv came back. There was a chick with him, oh, not Harry. No, and no. he even says he regrets it, but money is money. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That sounds very Marv like. <laughs> and, and I know, I mean, the actor, I don't remember his name, so he's Marv. <laughs> Daniel Stern. <laughs> That's the one. Um, um, the pizza guy comes back, and yes, the angels with filthy soul shit was so cheesy, but I kind of love it. I love it too so much. That will forever stay with me. I'm sure with everyone who, you know, watched this movie growing up like we did. It was the best thing. And I I mean, it's used two times against people in the movie and that was that one was my favorite one. The pizza guy's reaction to it, that poor kid. That poor kid was just trying to deliver a pizza and then he gets attacked by this, you know, who he thinks is a real person. Um and he's so upset, too. He's like, wow, you know, you're so cheap for giving me, I don't know what's, how many cents it was. It was very, very little amount of a tip. And that he plays that part where he says, keep the change, you filthy animal. It's like, oh, yeah, the, like, 50 cent tip. Thanks so much. <laughs> but I loved the use of that. I don't think Kevin, as an eight-year-old, understands the concept of tipping culture. No. He he probably had no idea that you're supposed to tip, so he 
like was like, no, I don't want the change because I'd have to come to the door. So just keep it. Well, even earlier in the movie, he asked why the pizza person didn't bring more plain cheese. Like it was just Pizza Claus delivering (laughs) happiness door to door. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Uh, Here's a logical question for you, though. Oh, boy. Okay. Were the phone lines down or not? Because at the beginning, they said they couldn't call him because the phone lines were down. Yeah. They didn't have internet. How did he order the pizza? Oh, shit. And then at least one day, maybe two days later, Mm. he is able to call the cops from his house. That's true. Why the fuck weren't his parents trying to call every once in a while just in case the phones got turned back on? Yeah. Okay. So the dad goes to whoever's house they're at in Paris and his whole, his brother is right. And his whole plan is, well, okay, you're staying in the airport and you're going to try to get home to him as quickly as possible. I'll go there and I will, because he even tries to tell Kate, like, let's go and we can, you know, use his phone and try to call people and blah, 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 all this stuff. And the whole time he's trying to call people, people who don't even speak English and trying to do all this shit. And clearly not once is he calling the house. Not even once. You would figure even if the phone lines were down, you'd be calling the house once an hour just on the hopes that you'd get him at some point over the course of those few days. Yeah. Because he might answer the phone. Exactly. Also, this is something I just realized. The old man, uh, Marley, he lives next door to them. He's still home. Why don't you call, why don't you guys have his number? What, like, did the parents also believe that he killed his family? I don't know if he lives next door. I thought his family lived next door or nearby. Maybe he lived next door. I, I think he said you live next door to me, don't you? Or something like that. In the, when they talk in the church, oh, I maybe. thought he said something like that. And yeah, he did. Cause I, I, I took a note of it. Yay me. Um, yeah, he lives right next door. And like I'm I'm just wondering who the hell they were calling and why the hell they wouldn't call the next door neighbor. Okay. <laughs> or like what? He makes a few odd decisions in this mm-hmm. movie. We'll get back to it later. He as in Marley? Marley. Okay. Um yeah, we will. <laughs> um I want to talk about all of the ways that Marv and Harry get very 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 hurt are we there yet no we are not there yet sit your ass down shut up (laughs) we'll be there when we be there um (laughs) don't make i want to talk exactly (laughs) i want to talk about the new love of my life the cashier at the grocery store oh oh, she's my hero i love her I liked her a lot in this. I'm not in love with her like you are, but I did enjoy her. (laughs) I think she actually did the responsible thing. And unlike basically every other adult in this movie, she's not a monster. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. That's a good point. Like she was nice to the kid and she actually tried to make sure that he was taken care of. He just kind of outsmarted her. Yeah. Which... Honestly, in that situation, you would just be like, well, okay, at least he's a smart enough kid and he has parents who taught him to not tell strangers where he lives and that's good. So, you know, he has family that cares about him. So, all right, he's prob- his mom probably actually is in the car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Kevin is 
it's weird. Like we said, he's very much a child. However, he's very smart and sneaky and creative in a lot of different ways. And that's one yeah. of them where he, again, outsmarts an adult. <laughs> exactly. And I kind of loved it. Yeah, it was great. I, I enjoyed also- that he had a coupon too. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was ridiculous, but it also showed the, like, oh, he's becoming a little man sort of thing. Yeah. I loved Kevin's conversation in the church with old man Marley before he realized that he needed to set up his traps. Mm-hmm. It kind of swung back from him just being a precocious child to actually being cute and heartwarming. Yeah. And I think the music in this movie, not the actual like pre-written songs but the original score mm-hmm. is pretty incredible yep sideways on youtube has a really great video breaking it down and how it sets the scenes up and i appreciate it more knowing that mm-hmm. but when marley was coming on screen when uh kevin was still very afraid of him mm-hmm. the theme music they used for him is the same music that they use for Sweeney Todd. Oh, I didn't know that. It is. <laughs> How cool. And it's a very old score and they generally use it for a lot of things that they want to symbolize death. Mm-hmm. But as soon as Kevin starts to not be afraid of him anymore, they never use that again. And it's mm. a good transition. That's cool. Yeah. I also really enjoyed just in general that the kids in the choir were singing in like during that scene and that that was the background because I don't know I I, I've never I didn't like grow up going to church I wasn't brought up religious or anything like that but for some reason in movies churches like that and I'm sure it's done on purpose and it it works churches like that especially with a choir singing I'd say probably especially Christmas music but not just really gets to me in a weird like religious way where I'm just like oh my gosh you know and it's weird because again I'm not religious once that scene was over nothing but during the scene it was very very powerful for me that the song was playing in the background and again we're having this heartwarming moment and I am not too proud to say that it made me tear up (laughs) and it was really really sweet and I love that they were both kind of learning something from each other um and it was cute that they used like the granddaughter thing to kind of show Marley's soft side, I guess. Um, it was, I feel like if it was done anywhere else, it might not have been as powerful a scene. But for some reason, again, even if you're not a religious person, it being in a church makes it more powerful. And choirs just have that effect on me for some reason, probably a lot of people. Especially because of the symbolism of Harry and Marv refusing to go in the church because they were bad. Mm -hmm. He was in the church, so I feel like that put Kevin in a, like, oh, if he's here, bad people can't enter a church. There's, like, vampire Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, I'm not the only one who thought of vampire (laughs) rules. As for the soundtrack, though, the theme song somewhere in my memory is a real tearjerker. Aw. Well... I, in general, enjoy Christmas music anytime I ha- I can listen to it on my own when it's not being forced down, I wouldn't say my throat, but I guess in my ears. <laughs> um, 
Luckily, this year, I will not be doing any sort of shopping around the holidays, so I don't have to be forced to listen to any of it. So it's actually really enjoyable, and I'm excited to listen to Christmas music by choice, you know? Um, so this movie was really fun in that way because it helped me kind of listen to, and not that I would listen to all of these songs anyway with, like, by by choice, you know? But a lot of them I probably would. and it was. Now I feel like because I've rewatched the movie, I feel like those songs are going to be even more enjoyable. Even like rocking around the Christmas tree, which I generally don't enjoy, um, is going to be fun at least now. I mean, not a hundred million times over and over and over again, but you've you've worked in grocery stores, right? And I've worked at the mm-hmm. mall, so we have been forced through that shit, and you don't ever get over that. I don't think. <laughs> Uh, as long as it's not Let It Snow. I worked at a grocery store in Cleveland, <laughs> Ohio. They played Let It Snow six times an hour because they weren't no. allowed to play any of the religious music. And it's just oh. like, there's a fucking blizzard outside. Stop it with your rain dance. Can you <laughs> just play like Blue Christmas? Let's have a Blue Christmas. <laughs> no, no, no. Let it snow. Let it keep snowing. I know it's snowing, but let it snow some more. <laughs> Maybe we should play it here so it'll actually snow. (laughs) I think it's hard to write a Christmas song that is nostalgic feeling, though. Mm -hmm. Because if you're thinking of, like, All I Want for Christmas is You, it's a Christmas song. There Mm -hmm. is no nostalgia in it. No. These songs felt very old. They did, yeah. And I think that helped it to feel... Give you that, like, childhood feeling. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the nostalgia hit me hard. I like like I said, I haven't seen it in so long. So yeah. the music and just everything about the movie, I mean, I watched it back to back twice, basically. Yeah. Um, and like both times it affected me the same way. It wasn't like, okay, I just watched this, so I'm, you know, it's not gonna do the same thing, but it still had the same effect, which was cool. And I was surprised. Yeah. Uh before we get to the trap portion of the evening um kevin managed to ruin someone else's life did he uh santa oh poor santa he went to (laughs) santa's village because he believed that he had made his family disappear and he wanted them back Mm -hmm. so he goes up to this poor schlub who is just trying to smoke (laughs) his cigarette in peace and curse his life about getting a parking ticket Uh and kevin runs up to him insists that he knows that this is a fake Santa, but that he works for the real Santa. (laughs) Yeah. So cute. And then said, this is what I want for Christmas. I want my family back. And he started naming them all. And this man's face just falls because you know he thinks they're dead. Yep. (laughs) Poor guy. Well, he also tells him his address, and I had a moment where I was like, okay, if this guy can get his car to work and he can actually, you know, go home, I hope he's going to call the cops and say, like, hey, random thing just happened to me. A kid came up to me in the middle of the night and told me his family, he wants his family back for Christmas. I don't know what that means, but here's his address. Maybe go check on him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he's clearly alone and he's too young to be anywhere alone anytime but especially at night and like he walks off on his own so there's not that like like we were saying about the grocery store employee where it's like she could have thought the mom was in the car and at least it's daytime and all that kind of stuff but no this kid is walking 
on his own down the street at night after your shift. So late at night. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I mean, poor Santa, but also like the adults suck in this movie. Uh, He's one of the least negligent adults. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And now it's trapping time. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yay you've made me wait so long hurry get there go uh, i don't even know well. where to start i'm starting with the bb gun <laughs> because okay. i have a very helpful hint for all of you out there okay uh when someone is a threat to your safety and you have a clear shot at their face shoot them in the eye <laughs> oh nice and coming from you that's a big uh, recommendation because you would have gotten weirded out if it was the eye. <laughs> yeah, I hate it when eye things happen ever. But if someone's mm. breaking into your home with a crowbar and they are a threat to your physical safety, mm. you have every right to scramble their head mm-hmm. like a fucking pinball machine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's only eight. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Adam's family. He doesn't know to aim for major arteries yet. He's just a child. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, in general, really enjoy that these traps are such... Like, the BB gun thing isn't this big deal thing, but a majority of the traps are these crazy things that an eight-year-old would not think of. I don't even know exactly what he pours on the steps, to make it slippery is I and I don't know how snow works because I live in Southern California. So, um, but what does he pour on the snow that makes it that slippery? Is it just water? I believe it's it, just water. That's what I was thinking. I was like, that might it do freezes that. over and it becomes ice. Right. Yeah, I feel like an eight year old wouldn't necessarily know that, but that's the smaller of the things of the traps that he sets. Um. He full on tortures these two, yeah. and I'm not gonna say they didn't deserve it because they're trying to break into his house, and he's trying to protect himself. But my goodness, okay, there's kind of a line between trying to protect himself and enjoying it. Do you want to know where I think that line is? Where? Um, the tarring and feathering. <laughs> Once they're already in the house, and we're going to be jumping around because we haven't even gotten it yet. Um, yeah. Harry runs up through a doorway, and there is a saran wrap with glue on it, and then a fan that blows feathers on him. <laughs> I don't understand what that was meant to accomplish, since it didn't do any damage and just pissed Harry off more. But it yeah. led to my favorite quote in the movie. Oh, yay. Okay. Um. When Marv was trying to get into the house, Kevin had painted the stairs with tar, Mm -hmm. so his shoes and socks came off as he was trying to, Marv's shoes, when he was trying to climb the stairs. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, he attached a nail to the stairs to come straight up, and Uh that was horrifying. Um, It was also a really great practical effect, and you know I love those. The nail was retractable, and Daniel Stern wore a fake rubber foot over his own foot. (laughs) So when he stepped on the nail, it looked like it went in. It did, yeah. And it was very squicky. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't look at it. I had to look away. That's another one of those scenes. Mm -hmm. But they've both gotten into the house at this point, 
And Harry and Marv are looking at each other when Harry has already been feathered. Harry says, why the hell did you take your shoes off? And Marv goes, why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? <laughs> yep. Okay, I, I'm just a little confused about Marv and his mental health. I mean, also, he's, you know, really pissed off and hurt and all that kind of stuff here. So maybe his brain's working even less than usual. But why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? Is that what you think dressing like a chicken is? <laughs> he's just covered in feathers. Okay, I'm also a little worried about Harry's mental health, too, though, because with as hard as it was for him to get in, it's like, why the hell did you take your shoes off? Like, yeah. why the hell did you take the center of your hat off? <laughs> Well, no, give Harry a little credit because Marv might have. He might have decided, you know, these shoes aren't comfortable right now. I'll just take them off. You never they're know. They're making noise when I walk. It's not sneaky enough. <laughs> Except that they're yelling. Yeah. They're announcing their every move, every step of the way. And I love how bad they are at yeah. what they do. It's so great. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that was that was a great part. Um, I... I really, I actually thought the feathers were hilarious. You're right. It is just for his enjoyment. That's it. He's just trying to piss them off, not just protect himself. But these people have come back, what, three times now? Yeah. Um, and they just won't give up. And they've scared him. And he's realized, you know what? Screw this. I'm done with that. I'm standing up for myself. This is my house. You're not getting in and you're not getting off easy. And I kind of love that switch in him. It's a bit extreme and it's a bit terrifying that an eight-year-old could become that uh, violent and terrifying. Um, I know I use the same word again, but it's that's the best word for it. I'm a little uh -huh. scared of Kevin at this point in the movie. Um, but I'm also not mad at him for it because no. you try to come into my house. I'm hoping I would react similarly. I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't no. know where to start, but you know just don't do it just in case um, but yeah um I really enjoyed um the paint cans and I don't know why like I don't have a reason for it I think it's just because it's the thing that stands out or like that I remembered best of all of the different traps that he sets it's because like as a kid watching this uh, when one of them, get, um, Marv, I think, gets hit by it first, right? Harry ducks, Marv gets hit by it. Mm -hmm. um, and then it happens again. And that just, as a kid, made me crack up because I just really enjoyed that, you know, it just comes back again. Um, oh, then I look forward to something that I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> okay. I'm curious now. Thanks. Um, Anytime. <laughs> You're the worst. But yeah, I really, because I think, I think because I enjoyed it as a kid, I really enjoyed it now too. And it still made me laugh out loud. Like I actually laughed out loud at it, knowing it was coming. So I think that was my favorite. <laughs> I would love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them were just hard to watch. The nail thing, I couldn't with it. I just, oh, it just it was, hurt me. It was so disturbing, but I loved it. Well, okay, because, like, Harry goes for the door handle, and it's, like, burning hot, right? Mm -hmm. And he gets the letter M, which, by the way, these fucking asshole people, they have an M on their doorknob. Really? Is that necessary? <laughs> what the fuck kind of people are you? Uh, <laughs> Stuck-up, rich, posh people. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. But, yeah, so he gets the letter M burned into his, fin his hand. I was going to say his finger. His hand. 
And that was okay for me. I could watch that. That didn't bother okay. me. He, They're going to end up in jail, though. And he, you know he's going to spend years staring at that M plotting um, revenge on this kid. Yep. Because yep. he has it branded into his skin that he hates you. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good there, point. There's no forgets when you have the letter no. M burned on you. That's true. That's true. But see, I could watch that, and it didn't make me squirm. I could watch his head being set on fire, and it didn't make me squirm. But the nail was too much for me. I couldn't with that. The, okay, the nail and the tarantula on the face. I know, again, okay. like you said, we're jumping around, but my God, no. <laughs> Are you at the tarantula yet? Because I have nothing I, before I, the tarantula. Oh, yeah. I'm there. I'm saying that I couldn't with that. Okay, I don't care how horrible these people are. Don't put a tarantula on their faces. Nobody deserves that. <laughs> okay. That was inspired by a scene from the James Bond movie, Dr. No. And oh, in okay. that movie, there was a piece of plexiglass between Sean Connery and the spider during shooting. In this mm-hmm. movie, the spider was legit on his face. Oh, no. Yeah, and I kind of love that in spite of Kevin's well laid out plans, what actually worked out in the end was a combination of like sheer dumb luck of the spider having to be there and like the human kindness of the friend he had made washing his back. (laughs) Yeah, that I love that too. I loved I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Like I remember watching as a kid and you know, you're terrified for Kevin as a kid when you're watching it like, oh no, is he going to be okay? Um, when they catch him. And I enjoy that they hang him on the door. That was, I don't know why that was funny to me. Um, but yeah, they're standing there talking about all the things they're going to do to him. And like they think they've won somehow and I like it's it's this weird point where I get that they're pissed off and they're finally like we're gonna get our revenge on this evil child but you're just hanging him from a door are you burglars you're not murderers at least as far as we know are you actually going to kill this child now like what is happening what is that was my question though I don't think that they were actually going to kill Kevin until the traps I think if they like they they had just said okay we're breaking into your house and we're stealing your stuff you see that closet right there go sit Mm -hmm. in it yeah we'll tell you when you can come out and Mm -hmm. if he had just done it He'd be fine. They would have taken all of his shit, but I don't think they would have touched him. I don't think they had any intention to touch him. Because the fact that they wouldn't go into the church, I think, means that they had some kind of a morality. Because yeah. I mean, a truly evil person wouldn't give a motherfucker. <laughs> no. And I, I think you're right. Um, But I... I wonder what they would have done if they realized, hey, this kid has already seen our faces. He already recognizes us. If we put him in the closet and we steal all this shit and we leave, what are the chances of him not telling someone? What are the chances of us not getting caught by this? Then again, Marv didn't give a shit about that. He wanted to get caught, but Harry might have, you know? I'm not saying they would have killed him, but I'm not sure what their plan would have been. I think they were going to leave the neighborhood. Oh, okay. That could have been, that could have worked. Yeah, I don't. I never got the intention that even at the end, I didn't think they were actually going to hurt him. I didn't think they could actually like that they had it in them, even when they were that hurt and pissed off that they would have actually killed a child. But until the end, yeah, when he's being driven, when they're being driven off in the car, cop car, I think is the point where I thought he wanted to come out of that car and kill him. <laughs> well, 
he says, I'm going to bite your finger off. I feel like he would have gotten part of the bite and then just been like, wait, why did I say I was going to do this? This is awful. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to eat your finger. <laughs> okay, this is the weird part, though. Old man Marley comes in and saves Kevin from the burglars, mm-hmm. knocks them out, and mm-hmm. brings Kevin home. Yeah. So this man just drops him off. Doesn't ask to speak to his parents about the fact that their kid almost got murdered or mm-hmm. offer to stay with him since the parents clearly weren't there. Just kind of drops him off and pieces out. Yeah. What the yep. fuck? Yeah, I I had the same kind of... Co- I mean, this was even worse at this point. However, there was also the church scene and I had the same type of question where it's just like, this kid is by himself, completely alone, again, at night. Well, yeah, but he had almost just been murdered. That, yeah, that's even, (laughs) that's even weirder. Like, yeah, I, who would just leave a child? Like, you know, you would at the very least either stay with him or like take him to the police station. Hey, I don't know where his family is, but he's been home alone and he almost just got murdered. So that's your point. You don't need to take him to the police station. The police are fucking outside. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, again, the adults. And I loved Olin Marley. He was my favorite character. I don't think I said that, but he is my favorite character in the movie. I wanted to choose someone aside from Kevin just to be choosing someone outside of Kevin, but I loved Kevin so much. And I was just pushing myself to choose someone else. But I loved Marley. Um, but he was like, that made no sense. I didn't get it. No. Um, Here is my big question, though. Mm-hmm. Had Marv not confessed, would the charges against them have stuck? Because mm. I am not a defense attorney, but here's my evidence. Okay. Um, they got a phone call from a man named Murphy saying that they were being robbed right now. Mm-hmm. But the Murphys were still out of town. Oh, yeah. So Murphy couldn't have called them. Um. And also, Harry and Marv had already unloaded their vans, so they didn't have any stolen belongings on them. Oh, that's true. And based on how much water was in the Murphy's house and how the water being on was their calling card, it was clear that they had been robbed days before. Yeah. And then they find two men in the crime scene, unconscious, bloody, burned, beaten, (laughs) no shoes. Yeah. Yeah just left there unconscious this is clearly a setup if marv shuts his fucking mouth right (laughs) yeah but marv wants to be caught so he's never going to but yeah i agree with you that's a good point i hadn't thought of that but yeah they they could have absolutely won that case and acted like the victims in this whole thing like no somebody came in did all of this beat us up left us bloody and got away because they had significant physical damage. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, but see, Marv is an idiot, as we have said probably 15 times by now. <laughs> um, and poor Harry probably wanted to kill him more than Kevin at that point. <laughs> um, I have, a, I have an odd thing to say. Not about the traps or anything, but about how I felt bad for Kevin. And you'll see why. I mean, it's odd. Um, he doesn't get to eat his cheese pizza, right? Some They, like, eat all of his pizza before he gets a chance. Which, by yes. the way, who the fuck eats that much pizza that quickly? He was in there with everybody else. Went over as soon as everybody sat down. 
to have a slice of pizza and there was no pizza left? You fucking okay. animals. I <laughs> think this is the thing that people do, though. Everybody thinks, oh, I want a weird, special kind of pizza. I want sausage supreme and I want olives and peppers. Nobody yeah. wants that fucking shit. They just want plain ass cheese pizza. So mm. then the person who actually specifically ordered the cheese pizza doesn't get any because everybody takes it because they don't want all the random ass shit that they put on their pizza yeah well okay and i i'm i'm in a family where um i grew up with a sister who was a very picky eater and her kids are also unsurprisingly very picky eaters if they don't have the specific type of pizza that they eat they will not eat the pizza like you can't just be like oh it's okay we'll just pick off the toppings you know what i mean and then you can just eat it it's no, because juice it's things under the cheese. Exactly. Yeah, you can still taste the freaking sausage, and even I don't want that. You know, um, so I don't know. That just is another point of how horrible the parenting is in this movie. Because something as small as that, but it's like it's your kid. You know, he's only eating the cheese pizza. You give him a slice of the cheese pizza. Like I, if my sister's not there, I will like get the pizza for my niece and my nephew and hand it to them before anybody touches it you know what I mean like because the kids come first fuck all of you give the kids their pizza and if you as a child order sausage supreme guess what you're eating the sausage supreme child you don't like it tough you ask for it <laughs> um but anyway there's that so he doesn't get to eat his pizza which personally I am so hurt by that because pizza is life but also he heats up his mac and cheese. He sits there. He says a little prayer for the food and for the people who sold it on sale, which was so cute. And then he goes to dig in with a knife and fork, by the way. Um, and the clock dings and they, the um, Harry and Marv are going to get there. So he has to not eat. And I just constantly felt so bad for him. I'm like, please just let him eat his food. Please, okay. please let him eat his food. <laughs> I don't feel bad for him that time, though, because they very helpfully told him that they were coming <laughs> back at 9 p.m. And if he didn't budget his time well, maybe if he hadn't set up the fan with the feathers, he would have had time <laughs> to eat some macaroni. Well, maybe he can't tell time. He was just kind of guessing, like, okay, it's probably close to 9. They'll probably yeah, the be clock will soon. just do some bongs when it's exactly. time, right? Yeah. Dude, I teach 11 and 12-year-old kids. You'd be surprised. You tell them, hey, class starts at 8.30. They're there at either 7.30 or when class has been over for an hour. And it's like, why? Okay. 8.30. <laughs> the thing about that is they have digital now. Mm -hmm. Everything is digital. It doesn't matter. I don't even think... say I can't read I... the clock right. <laughs> no, they don't get the concept of time, I think. I don't know. It's a weird thing. And I wish I could speak on it from a child's perspective, but I don't remember. Like, I know I couldn't tell time either for a really, really embarrassingly long time. Not on digital, obviously. But I feel like I understood the concept of time, at least a little. Okay, you know? I thought you understood the concept of time, too. And then we started doing this podcast, and I know Shut you don't. Up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there in 10 minutes half an hour 45 minutes two hours oh, later <laughs> no i'm talking about the circular nature of the terminator timeline. oh no my god don't you even dare bring that up my I brain hurts no more time travel for a while i want to talk about the time between the first movie oh, and the no. second movie though okay we don't get to see any of that but i want to know what happens like what happens when kevin finds out 
like he's so excited to see his family because he oh. thinks that he earned them back or something. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. But what happens when he finds out that they didn't just disappear? They kind of just all fucked off to Paris without him. <laughs> yeah. Well, he there's a point where when um, Kate gets there and she says Merry Christmas to him and he just looks so pissed off at her because like, where the fuck have you been? And it does look like there's a moment where she thinks he's not going to forgive her. And then she, he just like smiles and runs into her arms and everything's fine. Um, and then everybody else gets there complaining and yelling and screaming and just being, you know, themselves like nothing is the matter. Not like running into the house, like where's Kevin? Is he okay? Like they don't know that she, he's okay still, but they, including the dad, walk into the house as if it's just another day. You know, like there's nothing going on. And he gives him a quick little hug or whatever. And then it's just like, like literally like nothing has happened. Both of them. It's just, they just move on. I'm like, you ask your child questions. You ask him a lot of questions. What happened? Where were you? Are you okay? Are you starving? You know, there's so many questions to ask. They ask none of them. It does and lend a little bit of credence to your thought that some of this is from Kevin's point of view though, because- Uh It's only his family that comes back. His aunt, uncle, and cousins don't. Just his brothers, sisters, and parents. Yeah. So, at the beginning, everyone is just being a ridiculous level of asshole to him. Mm -hmm. And now, nobody is treating him like he is God King Kevin. But Mm -hmm. they're all kind of just like, yeah, it's cool that you're alright. Wow, that's so funny. Okay, now we're done. Yeah. So it seems more like an actual family, and I wonder if it's just because his annoying and awful uncle isn't there, like, spurring them on to be the worst. Because <laughs> oh. I'm guessing, even though they have a gigantic mansion, having all those other people there is not comfortable in, like, the amount of your space you have to share. And yeah, maybe it's now that the tensions aren't so high, they cannot be assholes, but maybe he's just seeing them in a different way yeah that's true and it was heartwarming though that he looked out the window to see his new friend who saved (laughs) his life reuniting with his family it was they spent just enough time on that for me to care and not so much time that i'm just like okay i'm done (laughs) yeah and i do like that he said um in the church you know what next time you see me like say hello or wave or whatever something like that and that they did they they did that they actually waved at each other i thought that was cute too so did i i I also really thought it was cute that he adjusted the presents under the trees and that he had like gotten his mom a present and it was so cute i mean he might have gotten the rest of them too but i'm pretty sure on the little like tag on the gift it said to mommy or something like that or mom or whatever um so i thought that was cute that he in all of this went out and bought a gift for his mom yeah, it was cute. Yeah. He had a lot of money. Like, Buzz, Buzz, Buzz's yeah. life savings didn't look like it was a lot, but apparently those were, like, $100 bills or something because it, it worked for him with, with groceries. And although I think when he went grocery shopping, his total came out to something like $19, so. His parents better give him that money back. Yeah. They really better. I mean, especially because. the literal least they could do. <laughs> I mean, and they have plenty anyway, so it's not like it's so difficult to. Yeah. Just sell the fucking M letter um, doorknob, you'll be fine. 
I couldn't get over that. It's probably got skin on it now. Ew. Gross. Now, <laughs> there is a second Home Alone movie, and I don't think it is too much of a spoiler to say that it stars the same family. Mm-hmm. How were these two not better parents by the second movie? No. Not just considering that they left their son at home, but when they did that, multiple of their neighbors got robbed by violent thugs. So even if they don't know that it happened in their house, they Mm -hmm. have to at least know that there was a chance that their eight-year-old was going to get raped. Yeah. Well, if they learned to become better parents by the second movie, then there wouldn't have been a second movie. I know, but like it was (laughs) just as bad, potentially worse. Yeah. Definitely. I think worse. Like, when you have a scary experience like that, it should teach you a lesson. And I don't think they learned anything. And well, I haven't seen the second out. movie in a long yeah. time, but yeah. <laughs> um, um, I also, in- by the way, oh, yeah. I was going to talk about one more quote that I really enjoyed. Because when he goes into the treehouse, I enjoy that Marv is like, oh, he said he's going to call the cops. And the reaction from Harry, where she's like, he's not calling the cops from the treehouse. <laughs> like, why are you so stupid? And his constant frustrations with Marv. I feel like that especially just kind of put it all. I'm not going to say in a nutshell. No, I hate saying that to you now. <laughs> you can't say that to me because every time it's the Austin Powers. We will get there too. <laughs> and then maybe once we get there and we're past it you will stop sending me that gif <laughs> we will always be in his nutshell or the video yeah. great <laughs> uh but yeah anyway that was that was my last little thing i wanted to say were you ready for final I am. okay Go i ahead. gave it an 82 Ooh. okay I think they spent a little too long at the beginning, just like on Kevin being a precocious kid. Mm. But once he's given people to kind of interact with, aside from his really wretched family, (laughs) he kind of comes off as more charming than annoying. Harry and Mm. Marv have great chemistry. They're great antagonists to Kevin. They ramp up the danger factor really well. Mm. And... I wished that they had been allowed to swear, but of course, according to South Park, (laughs) horrific, deplorable violence is okay as long as people don't say any naughty words. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he said cojones. Does that count as naughty words? Oh, God. There's a movie called Trick. Really cute gay rom-com, if you're interested. Um, Probably. (laughs) This old piano bar guy sings a song. He wants to sing a song called How Do You Like My Cock? Mm -hmm. But you can't say that in public. So he sings a song called Como Te Gusta Mi Pinga. (laughs) Okay, now I'm interested. (laughs) It's super cute. Um, Uh, I'll put it on your list. (laughs) But cojones isn't the same thing as balls because they're white. So... (laughs) You can say cojones when you're white, and it, it it's totally okay in a family-friendly movie. Because they probably don't know the reference. <laughs> probably not. Um, I'm kind of surprised that I gave it a higher rating than you, but then I'm easier. I gave it a 97. Wow. Um, the nostalgia was real strong for me. Again, I hadn't seen the movie for so long, so it was really difficult for me to not look at this with nostalgia eyes. Um, 
And I didn't really have a lot that I actually disliked. I mean, again, the adults were assholes, but I kind of also understood that they had to be assholes for the movie to work. You know what I mean? Maybe not to that extreme level, but it otherwise wouldn't have worked. I love Macaulay Macaulay Culkin um, and his acting abilities, and I was very much impressed now rewatching it and realizing just how good he was. Um, I loved Kevin. I loved... Um, I, I I feel like I even ended up loving Buzz at the end because again, like I said, he's just a teenage boy, you know, like he's, he's, an, he's kind of an asshole too, but he's a teenager. So you kind of excuse it. I um, love that he was an asshole in the way of where like the insults, like puke breath were. Yeah. Around. It's such a shitty teenage <laughs> boy thing. <laughs> it really is. But yeah, like you said, Buzz and, uh, not Buzz, Marv and Harry were great. Their chemistry was great. Um, The lines, like, there are so many lines from this movie that I won't ever forget, you know, and I hadn't forgotten. But I like the, you you guys give up or you thirsty for more. Like, I wouldn't let you sleep in here if you were growing on my ass. <laughs> that was great, too, yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of great lines, and I feel like... I want, like, I know you said you watch it with your family on Thanksgiving, and I want to make it part of my family tradition, even if my family means just me and my boyfriend or whatever, you know, whoever Um, is willing to do it. Shut up. Ew, gross. Don't be disgusting. (laughs) Maybe I'll just make you watch it with me on Christmas. We'll just get on the phone and watch it together at the same time. That'll be fine, won't it? We'll watch it on Zoom. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Shit, see? This whole pandemic has been really good. We didn't know what the hell Zoom was before this. We had no idea the options we had. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did you just endorse the pandemic? I think so. I think I did. Hey, I'm not the problematic one anymore. (laughs) Awesome. No, no, no. I endorsed Zoom. I'm a teacher. I will endorse Zoom till the day I die. Don't send me back to work from behind a fucking glass or plastic or whatever with a mask on, please. Thank you. <laughs> um. Anyway. Um, we're real off topic now. <laughs> I know. We did that like three times in this at least. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Next time we're going to do Home Alone 2 starring Macaulay Culkin and Joe Pesci. And I'm very excited, even more so now. Uh, check us out on social media. In the meantime, we are on Instagram at Millennials at the Movies. We're on Twitter at Millennials ATM. And my personal Twitter is Ami, that's A M I underscore movies. And mine is Cantaloupe underscore eyes like the fruit. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>